The Final Furlong Podcast is proudly brought to you by BetDAC. Get 0% commission on all sports for 100 days when you join BetDAC.com, the sports betting exchange today. New customers only, terms and conditions apply. Now, here's your host, Emmett Kennedy. Oh, the countdown is well and truly on for the greatest show on turf. And to preview the novice chasers, we are joined by the author of Horses to Follow, but also the outstanding Weatherby's Cheltenham Festival betting guide, which you can purchase right now in book format, digital format, PDF copy, or the bundle, and get yourself £5 off right now at Weatherby's shop using the promo code FINAL23. It's the main man, Paul Ferguson. Paul, welcome back. Hi, Anna. Thanks for having me. Thank you for being on, my friend. Uh, looking forward to having you on for the one of the daily previews as well. So we're recording Sunday and Monday, day one, day two, day three, day four. Uh, we're going to have Ben Aiken breaking down all the stats and form. Paul Ferguson is here along with us. Lizzie Kelly will be alongside us. Uh, Mark Milligan, of course. Six-time champion tipster Paul Jacobs will be here. Um, yeah, lots to get stuck into. And of course, the main man, Dennis O'Regan and Barry Call will have uh, all of the big team lined up for the daily previews Sunday and Monday. Final answers for each day of Cheltenham. Looking forward to that. Um, you've been on the Cheltenham preview circuit. It's been a, a, a busy time for you, my friend. It has, yeah. It started last Thursday was the Weatherby's preview, um, which was a good one that was done um, remotely. But uh, it was a good panel. Danny Mullins, Nicky Henderson, and Jay Mangan and myself. And it was hosted by Richard Hoyles. I had one in Liverpool City Centre last that's night. A, that's a class um, preview. Off. Yeah, it was. It was good, yeah. It was enjoyable. Um, off to Warrington on... Well, on Tuesday, off to Warrington tomorrow, and then up to Scotland on Friday for Imperial Racing at Motherwell. Nice, nicely done. Right. Um, the yeah. the going is becoming a massive bone of contention because if you're watching these previews and if you've been listening to the final furlong, which I hope you have, then we've basically been talking about how it's going to be rock hard. It's going to be a road at Cheltenham, and now there's a suspicion that it could be a bog. Uh, there was a status yellow weather warning in effect of the weekend, and that's very much come to pass because it's snowing at Cheltenham today. Uh, it is, yeah. I've seen some pictures, I'm sure. Uh, many of the listeners will have seen pictures posted by John Joe O'Neill racing this morning from John uh, Jackdaw's Castle with a bit of snow on the ground. Um, tell me it's not so bad, but uh, a little bit worrying to see. But they say we've, we've had plenty of conflicting um, weather reports in the past few days. I based a lot of my early studying on the fact that we would get good to soft ground. I think that's that was the provider that most people had worked on. Um, looks does look now as though it could be a bit more unsettled. I'm just looking at Met Office as we speak. They've got rain from around three at three four o'clock tomorrow Wednesday, right through Thursday. Um, it does look quite, it does look dry then, and then. We were just talking off air. I'd say the, the BHA site was updated um, on Monday at two minutes past two in the afternoon. So perhaps they will update it again in an hour. So I'll check it while we're on air. But at the minute, um, the latest going on the BHA website says good, soft, good in places still. Uh, but the weather forecast there says an unsettled forecast for the week ahead with wintry showers and possible snowfall later in the week, um, which concurs with Met Office. And um, temperatures due to drop on Tuesday and Wednesday night with an overnight frost. Uh, further spells of rain forecast for Friday and Sunday. Temperatures forecast to rise over the weekend and a drier outlook for festival week. And importantly, on the watering front, they said no further watering is planned unless necessary following an unsettled week. So I think that sounds like they're going to 
um, see if the rain does materialize like his forecast and then play it by ear. Yeah, it, it, it does. It's just, it's gas how this happens every single year. Um, every year we forget how the ground changes late on and you've been doing your deep dive, you've been doing all the form study and suddenly you've got to go back and do it all again because the ground is changing. So look, we'll cover it for you on the final furlong. I'm sure you're doing it yourself as well, but it's just something to very much bear in mind. A uh, couple of show notes, definitely Weatherby's Cheltenham Festival Bidding Guide. It's essential reading and it's a massive tool that I've been using for, for my selections for Cheltenham. It's outstanding. I'm not just saying it because Paul is here. Um, it's outstanding work. It, it really is. And if you haven't got your copy yet, well, the PDF will be delivered to you pretty much instantly at Weatherby's shop. Use the promo code FINAL23. Uh, and if you are looking for... Do you do Cheltenham Busters, Paul? Um, what's that, oh, right. Maybe Buster is more of an Irish phrase. Um, cool. Essentially... Tipping competitions and things. Yeah, tipping competitions, like down your local pub yeah. and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. Well... Um, I would do- I think I'm sure around the country there will be plenty of people getting involved in that. Well, on an epic scale is fantasycheltenham.ie, which raises money for really good causes and has raised over 950 grand so far. They've been doing this for a decade. Uh, It's hugely successful, and we've teamed up with them this year. So it's the first five races each day of Cheltenham. You select one horse for all five races. If you change your mind or if there's a late non-runner, you don't end up in a situation where you're defaulted to the favorite. You can log in and change your selection 10 minutes before the off. So if you're super confident about Gaird de Manil and then at the last second you go, I don't know about this, well, you can change. And we'll talk about him in a second. FantasyCheltenham.ie is where you sign up. Um, be part of the Final Forum Podcast team. In order to do this, it's very much GAA-centered, massively horse racing, but it comes from GAA clubs. So select County Kilkenny, I'm recording this in Cork, so I can't say this too loudly. Uh, but select County Kilkenny and Final Furlong Podcast as your club. Enter there. Uh, it's 20 quid. There's huge prize money up for grabs. There's the bragging rights as well. There's cold hard cash to be won, quite frankly. Uh, sign up now. Get your friends involved as well. It's a lot of fun. FantasyCheltenham.ie, club, Final Furlong Podcast in County Kilkenny. And away you go. I'm pretty sure some of the neighbours have just heard me say Kilkenny and are about to come in with baseball bats. But anyway, anyway, it's a friendly rivalry between Cork and Kilkenny, honestly. Not like Kilkenny Tipperary will we'll sort you out. Right, Novice Chasers is what our focus is on. We're also going to touch on the champion bumper and the Mayor's Chase. We talked about that race yesterday with Dennis O'Regan, but great to get Paul's insight to it as well. Uh, the betting with BetDAC. For your, if you open a BetDAC account today, by the way, 0% commission for 100 days. commission for Cheltenham, the Classics, the Irish Grand National, the Grand National. Punish them. Punish them. Sign up to BetDAC and punish them. Certain exchanges are falling to pieces. And BetDAC's there to pick up the pieces for you. Uh, Lots of liquidity for Cheltenham. So BetDAC.com. 0% commission for the first 100 days. Madness. Um, With BetDAC, El Fabiolo, 6-4 favorite from John Bon, 13-8. Dysert Dynamo, 5-1 5-1 to one industry best price as we record. Uh, St. Roy has been well-backed in the last few days, and I can see why. About 9-1. to one, uh, And then it's appreciated in Bambridge, who are going elsewhere by the looks of things. 10-1. to one. Paul, what is your thinking on the Arkle Trophy? Uh, I think the market looks just about right at the minute. I can see this rate cutting up to a pretty small field, to be honest. So I can understand why Samoa has been backed as the possible outsider. 
Um, we'll come to it in a minute. We'll start with the top two. Um, obviously, there was little between them, as people um, have already, many people have already alluded to, Art Aintree, of course, last year. Um, and a lot of people are saying with El Fabiola, that was just a second start um, for Willie Mullins. So it was a huge step up, which it was. I'd say to counter that um, for John Bond fans, you could say that John Bond had had a hard season and perhaps he was um, slightly, maybe even beyond his best and had a hard race at Cheltenham, but still managed to win. So um, I wouldn't I wouldn't use that um, specifically as a, as a key guy, but it does show that there isn't a lot between the horses on natural mm-hmm. ability. Um, since they've gone chasing both unbeaten, um, John Bond, obviously three from three, El Fabiola two from two. Um, John Bond in the first half of the season, I was very much leaning towards, I was certainly going his way of thinking. Um, I thought he jumped particularly well on his first two chase starts um, at Warwick and Sandown, but I was underwhelmed by his performance at, um, back at Warwick in the Kingmaker last time. Um, not only was it just slightly laboured and the fact that he had to work harder than you would have expected to be Calico for all the he came out and won a handicap of Mark at 137 I think it was the weekend um, it's just the way he shifted to his right a couple of times something that we hadn't seen from before whereas I would yeah. have said definitely out of the pair John Bob would have been the more assured jumper um, so for all the reasons that um, people have said that he maybe needed the run if he was keen to stress this say he was on the Weatherby's panel with us last week um, and he was keen to say that he maybe he was left slightly undercooked this that and the other I was just slightly underwhelmed by the performance and whereas El Fabiolo is arriving at Cheltenham on the back for me on the back of a career best and for me on the back of um, what was the strongest novice chase run in any division this season is the Irish Arkle it was strongly run obviously Dysart Dynamo um, set the pace and will do so again Um, people are making the um, the angle with Dice or Dynamo that it's a shorter trip and a tighter track at Cheltenham, which is a fair point. So you might get loose, but I would imagine, I say, you see this field cutting up quite considerably. I would, I'd be surprised if Paul Town and then Aidan Goldman weren't um, alive to the fact and not allow Dice or Dynamo, especially Paul Town and obviously knowing the horse well. Can't imagine he would allow him um, too much rope out in front. And El Fabiolo still won that arc, despite racing quite keenly. Um, I'm making a fairly serious error for out. So I think to end up going away and beating Bambridge and appreciated by 10 lengths, I thought was a, a really good performance. Um, yeah, he's only had the two chase starts, which some people probably would say they'd like to prefer to see a little bit more chasing experience. But um, I think he's got the greater scope to improve. He's, he's had the less, he's had fewer runs just in general throughout his life. So he was quite lightly raced last year since he arrived. Um, he ran once over hurdles in France uh, before arriving at Willie's when he won the Tremor Maiden. Then he said he was beaten the neck by um, John Bonner Aintree. And he went on to record success at the Punchestown Festival, not in a graded race, but um, it was a decent novice hurdle. And he slammed Colonel Mustard on his chase debut again. He wasn't foot perfect. So, say, probably at, at this stage, you would say, out of the two of them, John Bonner would have the marginal um, points victory in terms of jumping to date. Um, but I think. El Fabiolo has got the, just that little bit more scope to improve. Um, and I would just be leaning towards his, his way at the minute. Um, as the market has, I think, so to say, I think the market pretty much has got it right. See, the one th- again, the one thing that you would maybe, one little negative you could crowd with El Fabiolo is he hasn't been to the festival. Obviously, festival form counts for a lot, especially in mm. um, all these grade one races. John Bonram relatively well last year. Um, could, 
completely put in his place, obviously by constitutional, but um, probably the way the race was run wasn't um, to suit him to best effect. And Dice at Dynamo obviously also ran in um, the aforementioned Supreme Novices last year, came down when um, looking ready to tire. He was good on his chase debut, but um, say he's got a good, he's got a bit of, good bit of ground to make up with El Fabiolo. I say I just can't imagine um, that, that the two market leaders are going to allow him um, a soft lead, or just too, or not, they're not going to let him get too much out of sight. Personally, so uh, I think they'll, they'll probably all engage towards the top of the hill, and think it could be um, coming to a battle quite early. Which then was the way of thinking. There was one of them could easily crack. And Samuel was probably the each way angle while there's enough forces in there to back him. Um, but his price, like you, you already alluded to, has contracted considerably in the past week. He's come from, he's halved in price from 20 to 1 to 10 to 1. I think a lot of people have realised that he's probably going to be ridden out the back. And if one of the front three do crack, then um, he's probably the one likely to uh, come through beating horse and pick up the pieces and hit the frame. Is there a chance he switches to the Grand Annual? Uh, I'd be surprised. I think he was. I'd be surprised when I was looking at that race yesterday. It'd be interesting if he did, but um, yeah, I think that I suppose obviously JP McManus has got um, John Hunn and Willie's got two others in there ahead of him in the market. So you could say connections are well catered for in the article, but JP's got the top five uh, in the market. JP's exactly yeah, for the for the Grand Daniel, so. Um, no, I think he'll run here. He's got he's talking about festival form. Obviously, he's got good festival form. He won the county hurdle for two, three years ago now. Yeah, um, and he ran well in the champion hurdle last year, finishing fourth, decently promoted to third. Um, that was a solid enough run. Um, obviously, he didn't get. Uh, he only got around halfway in the Irish article and he unseated. Um, but before that, he'd shed his maiden tag in Grade One company at Leopardstown over Christmas. Um, and the race should really be run to suit here. So I think with a small field, he's probably one who say he'll be looking to pick up some pieces. Yeah, purely from an each way perspective, I I can't have Dyser Dynamo at all at any price, and certainly not at five to one. I interviewed Danny Mullins yesterday. That'll go out on Talksport on Wednesday. You'll hear it on the final furlong on Friday. I think we're releasing it. Is that right, Friday? Um, and I asked him about Dyser Dynamo, and. He's just straight to the point. He's only got one way of going, and it's from the front. And yeah, you there's nothing. Yeah, Danny you... was actually on that. He was on that Weatherby's preview last Thursday as well, and he, he said pretty much the same. He said the more you try and um, if the, if you do try and do anything with him, you, the more you'll fight it. Really, so yeah. Um, and you get all that. I'd I'd love to see him at Aintree. I hope he runs well here, and then comes to Aintree. I think the mild may track at Aintree be absolutely tailor made for him. Ooh, good choice. Um, and not not sure they'd see which way he went around there, but. Um, whether that comes into play we'll see but I say I just I can see people's arguments saying the shorter trip and, and tighter track he could get away from them but um, surely Paul Town and Aidan Coleman will be aware to the fact and I think they won't sit too far behind them personally Well I'll come to John Bond in a second because I've, I've got a pretty strong view there as well um, but Dyson Dynamo is just going to tow them all into the race and because he only has the one way of going he is going to crumble towards the end, uh, not necessarily fall, but he is going to just set this up for a closer. And from an each-way perspective, I would much prefer Sonroy. If he goes for this race, who knows what he, what would have happened in the Irish Arkle. He, he came down way too early, um, and, and I'm not yeah. going to speculate, but it could put a different spin on Banbridge appreciated 
and what they did that day had he finished and been a clear second. Uh, but that's pure speculation. The way this race is going to set up is ideal for him. It's not perfect that he's coming in at the back of an unseat and uh, a non-completion. Uh, and the fact that it happened so early in the race as well is, is far from ideal, similar to high definition. I don't think it's it's a good thing, but I can see the race panning out well for him. And from an each way perspective, this is probably going to be a small field. You might get eight runners. I'm not so sure that we will. Um, and if you can take the each way now with three places, I think that's fair. So 10 to one, I don't see him winning it, but I could see him absolutely making the frame. Um, The story about John Bon and El Fabio, look, it is a match between these two. I'm kind of kicking myself because at the start of the season, I said on the show, it might have been with you, that some well-placed people at the Mullins camp had been talking about Lassie Mouth and that she was a superstar, but they also talked about El Fabiolo and that he would be the leading two-mile novice chaser for them, and they were very excited about him. And for some reason, Paul, I can't tell you why, probably because I'm a dum-dum, uh, there is an anti-post docket virtually hanging around in a in an online betting account that has Sir Gerard for the champion hurdle at 14s. Wah, wah. Uh, appreciated for the Arkle. Adamantly chosen in the Turners. Maybe. Probably not. Gaelic Warrior at 14s for the Ballymore and Ilete Tomp at 20s for the Supreme. How is El Fabiola not in there? I don't know. I don't know. But it means that I don't have any dog in this fight yet. I'm not weighed down by the bias of, of an anti-post bet. And if you backed John Bond at 5-1 to one at the start of the season, if you backed him at 2-1, to one, then you're sitting pretty. But there's an awful lot of copium out there with John Bond. That was awful at Warwick. A horse rated £23 inferior to him gets him off the bridle. And it's the only time that he's ever been tested out in front. It's the only time that his jumping was ever put under pressure. He's gone out and made all. Danny, ma- Danny Mullins makes that point. And, and Danny actually makes the point that he would have preferred it if John Bond had just cruised to victory at Warwick and, and was never put under pressure because he, he thinks he'll have learned from that and it will have battle-hardened him. I completely respect that opinion and it may very well be the case. But look at his form. He beats West Cork and Mon Morale on his chase debut. Well, West Cork's done nothing. Mon Morale got absolutely lapped by Jerry Kalam. He, in his grade one, beats Boot Hill. All right, I'll give you Boot Hill one at Kempton at Christmas. Takes a grade two. Yeah, beating, beating the Beffer. Yeah. No, that's I'll, fairly I'll, strong for I'll give yeah. you that. But then that horse gets beaten by Tommy's Oscar, fair and square. And last time out, if you were listening to the weekend preview uh, for Kempton on the weekend of the 25th of February, you'll have heard me be incredibly bullish about Solo. Partly because yeah, I, 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 I... I wouldn't, I wouldn't crab John Bonner line through Boot Hill, I think. No, I, I, I don't want to... You, you can't, you absolutely can't. You can absolutely look at that and say, look, yeah. he's come out and he's won a grade two. Unexpected party. What's he done? Nothing. Yeah, didn't uh, run too badly behind um, stage star. Reaching, get home. you're reaching. Honored. Yeah, no, look, the, listen, the, the only I'm horse. Fabiolo's camp, but I don't think I don't think from that line he, he slammed them in the in the Henry VIII. He did, but he had um, a solo out in front, and no part. nobody one pressured him. Nobody pressured him at all. He never had any pressure on, on his jumping, and he was able to just go out and do whatever he wanted. Uh, Honor de, de Janac goes and wins a, a novice handicap chase off a mark of one twenty seven. Meanwhile, El Fabiolo. 
bolts up on his chasing debut, does something that John Bond has never looked like doing. Absolutely destroyed his opposition. Colonel Mustard narrowly beaten in the Moore Battle Hurdle the other day, if we want to go with uh, related hurdles for him. And more importantly, yeah, yeah, no, more importantly yeah. in the Irish Arkle, he destroys an Arkle trial winner in Banbridge, a Supreme Novice Hurdle winner in Appreciated, a Moscow Flyer winner in Dysart Dynamo. He's torn them to shreds that day. And there's this narrative going around about El Fabiola's jumping. It's not very good. Oh, he doesn't jump well enough. He's going to come up a cropper at Cheltenham. He only made one mistake at the Dublin Racing Festival. And Daryl Jacobs, straight after that race, held his hands up and said, I got way too excited going down to the fourth last. I asked him for a big one. That's my fault. But he rallied really well. And he didn't lose a whole lot of momentum. So I think there's way too much being made about his jumping. Uh, I completely agree with you that he has more scope. I think the people who are making the case for John Bond may very well be weighed down by a bias from having backed him earlier in the season. And if you have backed him at 5-1, to one, that's great. But I'm just like Paul, I'd be very concerned about the jumping out to his right at Warwick. We hadn't seen that before. Don't know why that suddenly appeared, but it did, and it's a thing now. Um, the fact that a horse rated 23 pounds inferior to him could get him off the bridle. And I also worry about how this race is going to shape up because he's been going out and making all the running in his races. Now, that's no one's fault, except for the fact that it's small field races. He has to do that. But you're going to face Dicer Dynamo again, who's going to tear off in front, and he lit up John Bond last year. And you can say, well, Aiden just won't get stuck in there. Aiden's a brilliant horseman. He's a terrific tactical mind. But if the horse just wants to go, there's not a whole lot you can do about it. And I think John Bond is going to get fired up again. He's going to go way too hard in front. They're both going to tear each other's throats out. And El Fabiolo will just come cruising through and murder them. I think El Fabiolo is going to beat John Bond like he's a redheaded stepchild. This is this is banker material. And what are we getting? Best price six to four? Thanks, Betdak. El Fabiolo. All day long. All day long. Follow that. Q <laughs> <laughs> John Bond wins by fifteen I'm, lengths and I'm eating humble yeah, yeah. pie. <laughs> I'm not I'm not gonna be quite as bold, but I, I will be I'll be El Fabiolo for me too. Yeah. Uh right. And I think we're both in agreement with St. Roy. Yes, I think he's it's just but when I put the guard together, I say I think he was twenty to one, maybe even twenty five at the time. Um and at those at that kind of price that that's fair enough if you're backing for a place once you get into like ten to one, eight to one. Um Yeah, the juice goes out of it. Can, can he can he win can he win it if 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 the top two perform? I'm not sure he can. Um so Easy, he's the one. Yeah, like like you say, he's the one. If you just want to, um, maybe you just have a place bet on the exchanges or something. I, I'll tell you how bullish I've become about this. I'll be doing a straight forecast on El Fabiolo San Roy. Take that, John Bond fans! Take that, John Bond fans! When he bolts up, uh, you can absolutely abuse me on the tweet machine at Radio Emmet, and I will take it and apologise. I'm presenting the coverage for TalkSport 2. I'm anchoring the coverage that day. Uh, so when John Bond goes and bolts up, I will, I will be gracious in defeat. I will congratulate everybody and, and say well done. Uh, when El Fabiolo murders them, I might not be so gracious in victory. I will, of course, of course, can't be biased in those situations. Uh, National Hunt Chase. All right, current betting with Betdax. He's Gerard de Menil as the even money favorite. Maybe a little bit of eleven to ten. If you act now, you might get a little bit of eleven to ten. 
Um, after that, it is his stable companion, Ramelis, six to one. Will he go as well? Um, the owner also has City Chief, currently a 10 to one shot with Betdak. Churchstone Warrior, winner last time out, sevens from Mahler Mission, who he beat. Interestingly, Mahler Mission's a shorter price, around about six to one. Um, Mr. Coffee, who's going to have Derek O'Connor on board, is an eight to one shot, and Manila Crooner uh, is uh, around about 10s, Chemical Energy. I'm starting to come around to a little bit here, is a 7-1 to one shot, right? National Hunt Chase, Paul. Uh, Gare de Menil, a red-hot favourite. Is it just a case of this is banker material for the Mullins camp, or are you looking elsewhere? I've been trying to look elsewhere, to be honest, but I'm struggling to find anything to what can beat him. Um, I've never actually been totally sold or on board with him ever since he won the Novice Early, he won the Nathaniel Lacey at the um, Dublin Racing Festival a couple of years ago, and he was anti-post favourite. Um, at the time for the Ballymore um, and I was keen to take him on on that occasion but, um, obviously he ended up splitting Bob Ollinger and Beakstown um, he was, didn't win last year obviously shed his maiden tag in grade one company over Christmas in a race that probably fell apart um, but he still he still beat Churchtown um, Warrior by seven and a half lengths and as you say he's closely matched them with Marla Mission on their recent um Clash in the tenor. It's hard to make a, make a real case of how either of those can turn the form around. Mm-hmm. Um, he's been playing his trade in Grade One Company. Obviously, ran well in the Irish National last year. So, um, although the trip is an unknown because he, he didn't finish overly strongly that day, it does suggest that um, the trip in this company should be within his compass. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's, I, I can understand why many people will be. Um, making him as banker and um, he is such a short price not sure he'd be one I'd be getting stuck into but it wouldn't it definitely wouldn't surprise me if he was if he was to win the race because I'm struggling to find alternatives um, Ramelies I believe will probably go to the brand factory I think both of them will run um, and Nicky said on the Weatherbees preview last week that City Chief doesn't go to Cheltenham but as you said um, Derek rides Mr Coffee Um the stable. I would very much fancy Gare de Menil if he was to go to the Brown Advisor. I'm surprised that Remelis is the one who's going to go there. Uh, I yeah, I see. It's just, I, I don't know if it's a stamina thing with um, Remelis. He travelled really well in the, the race when he got um, chucked out against the Devils coachman, of course, and he did travel. Like, obviously, he didn't necessarily need to go up and trip. Uh, maybe that's something to do with it. Um, Danny Mullen said on the, the Weatherbeats preview that all every all, all season since he came back in, um, Patrick grabs Gayard the Manil and throws his leg over him every morning. So <laughs> as to not let anyone else get on him, so he said, <laughs> I think that's obviously been um, a plan in the making. So you see, last year he finished um, as you, you've already said. If we touched on the, the two years ago, was running the Ballymore last year. He finished third behind the Hoyson Yard Long Presse which in the context of this race is very strong form. Mm. Um, so his, his festival form is rock solid. He's experienced because he's a second season novice. Something that we used to like in this race, not necessarily um, in recent runnings and things like that with experience of novices is slightly um, less significant nowadays with the more with there being more options. There's, I think the smaller field sizes mean that they're not quite, some of these novice chases aren't quite the test that they once were, um, which is... Perhaps why we see like Statler was an example last year, he didn't have as much experience as previous winners. Um, but Gaird the Menil's pretty much an um, archetypal 
national hunt winner from years got not too distant past. So um, I say I can see him going well if the rain does stay away. Um, I think the each way alternative would be chemical energy, but I think mm-hmm. he he definitely wants. I think he definitely wants decent ground. Um, obviously, he won um, at the track early in the season, and then encountered the long break. Obviously, I don't think Marla Mission ran his ran his race that day, so you can't really judge him on that effort. Um, but he definitely is better on good ground, and he shaped last time on his return um, at Nace in a Grade Three, and that same Grade Three just touched on Devil's Coachman. Um, he travelled. He travelled really well for a long way. Um, and then was eased down when his chance went and he shaped to me like a horse who desperately needed the run. And the ground was probably softer than ideal. It was his first start in 99 days. Um, so I'd, I'd happily forgive him that. Um, Gordon has a good record in this race, was, and especially with horses who've been target at a, targeted at it from some way out, which was the case, I think, after he won that novice chase at the October meeting. Um, so say, I, I think I would like to see uh, definitely some good in the description um, on the ground for chemical energy if that's the case he's a possibly 12 alternative to the favourite yeah ground is key with him I'm su- I was surprised he even turned up at Nace because Gordon did say at Cheltenham um, at the showcase meeting that this was the target which was exactly the same thing that he had done with um, Galvin who then Gordon got suspended. He was transferred to Ian Ferguson. But if you wanted to be really technical about it, you could say, well, that was actually Gordon who trained him, but Ferguson was, was the one who, you know, he, he it wasn't like the um, the Denise situation where she took over training the horses at the yard. The horse actually left the yard and then came back afterwards. Um, but Gordon had done most of the prep work. And he does have a terrific record in this race. And he does have a terrific record when he targets one. So he had said after he won at the showcase meeting, you won't see him again till Cheltenham. And that's the target. And then he brings him out at Nace. And clearly, he just didn't handle the ground that day. And he obviously badly needed it. Obviously, something had changed and, and Gordon felt they needed to get a run into him. He said the other day at a in a stable tour that people seem to have forgotten him and they shouldn't. And that this has been his target all season and that he, he was, he's been pleased with him in his work since. Um, he'll get Jamie Codd on board. I think the fact that he ran probably suggests that maybe he wasn't. He he, he, he probably did need it because he say mm. often we've seen Gordon bring horses to Cheltenham for this race on the back of a lengthy layoff. The fact that he even gave him a run on unsuitably soft ground would suggest that maybe Eromi wasn't quite as forward as he wanted them to be. So plainly use it as a stepping stone and get him um, get him there in the shape that he wants him. I mean, yeah, it's no no harm having an extra bit of experience. That was only his fourth chase start, so he's. He doesn't have the experience of the favourite, so um, it's probably, probably no no harm at all in the run. Obviously, he ran at last year's festival as well. He finished um, behind Bambridge, behind Bambridge mm. uh, in the Martin Pipe off a mark of one three seven. But um, again, it's just a lot depends on the ground with him. But on decent ground, I'd say he'd have a good chance of running the big race. Yeah, and he's won at the old course at, at the showcase meeting. That was the old course. I, I like him. I like him a lot for this. I, I would much prefer him to Mallor Mission or Churchstone Warrior. I don't see how Churchstone Warrior can turn the form around with Gary de Menil, Um, which then, in my mind, limits Mallor Mission as well, who's likable. You know, ran well at the Cheltenham meeting last year. He was beaten 23 lengths, but that was in a grade one behind the nice guy. Um, and he was a very impressive winner of, of a novice chase at Navin. 
but I, I just don't see it with him. I can see it with chemical energy. I can see him step, stepping forward massively. Technically, Gordon has trained four winners of this race. Really, he's trained three uh, in the last 10 years. Willie and Patrick have had three winners in the last 10 years as well, back in focus, Rathvinden and Statler. And you made a very interesting point about the Irish Grand National last year. So let's hone in on that, because that, that is three mile five. And he did weaken towards the finish. I'm inclined to forgive him that because he was a six-year-old. Would that be fair yeah, in your I, mind, or, or do you think that there actually might be a stamina concern with him? I don't know. I, I, I couldn't care with that, really. It's like he's a six-year-old novice at the time, um, running off a big weight as well. I think he ran off a mark of 154. Um, and he would imagine, again, I don't imagine there's a, there'll be a huge field uh, next Tuesday for the National and Chase, and certainly he probably won't go anywhere near the gallop that he'd go in the Irish National. So um, even though it's a similar trip, it probably won't take quite as much getting. I wouldn't have thought of Cheltenham next week. Um, so, yeah, I think he's, he's suggested enough because in his races over two and a half, like against Mighty Potter last time, um, he looks like he's just found out. But you know, like he's, he's he's only just below the top level of, of novice chases last season and this season over two and a half and three. Um could any of the others in this field? That's one way of looking at it. I say, um, could could any of the, the others finish third behind Long Press and the Senor or third behind Mighty Potter beating less than ten lengths over two miles five last time? Mm, doubtful. Mm. On that, uh, Patrick Mullins did a stable tour for Sporting Life and said, "I'm paraphrasing, but it was something along the lines of that he hopes the run over two mile five didn't fire him up too much, and that he can settle him and get him to stay." But he subsequently at a Cheltenham preview night said, I can't wait to get my, the leg over him again. But I thought that was an interesting yeah. thing to say that he's taken on Mighty Potter twice this season and Mighty Potter's going to take an awful lot of beating in, in the Turners. He got within four and a half lengths with him, of him at Fairy House. It's a further distance back at, at the Dublin Racing Festival, but there's nothing too wrong with that. And they probably ran him just to finalise, look, what are we doing here? Are we going Brown Advisory? Or are we going National on Chase? And that would have told them, go National on Chase. But it was just an interesting thing for Patrick to say that I hope running him over two mile five didn't fire him up too much. Yeah, yeah, no, I could do that. Yeah, I wouldn't be, um, I wouldn't be overly concerned about it. I'd say you, you, he's probably more assured to get the trip than um, chemical energy at this stage. He's got a little bit more evidence in in that regard. So, um, no, I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be too gonna say. I, I could see this. Um, cutting up, maybe obviously not as small a field as the Arco, but I don't think, I certainly think a few of them will come out. Just looking a few further down, um, at bigger prices who might turn up, they'll have um, alternative engagements. One would be uh, Gold Cup by for Stuart Crawford and Sam Minear and Isaac Squared. I know um, he's got an entry like now. He's got, yeah, he's got a couple of entries um, this weekend. I see. I think he's got three options actually with the entries have just come through now for the, he was already in the Leinster National um, and he's got two novice entries it looks like uh, now and a nace over the weekend so um, I thought he might have been one for one of the handicaps um, at Cheltenham but wasn't to be but wherever he goes I think in the spring he thinks possibly a nice race in him he's currently around 33 to 1 I think for this race and I have even bigger odds um, Ben Poland's Harper's Brook um now, I would say he's much more likely to run in one of the handicaps, the old entry in the ultimate and the Kim Muir. Um, I actually thought he'd be targeted at the plate. I thought two and a half. So obviously, Ben thinks he needs to step up and trip. 
Um, he was disappointed when we last seen behind the real whack in the dipper on New Year's Day. Um, but prior to that, he travelled like the best horse for a long way at Carlisle behind Iron Bridge. Um, nice horse, John Joe O'Neill's. Then he won in heavy ground at Bangor. Um, and then he was pitched straight into a grade two at Cheltenham on New Year's Day, which I don't think he really had a chance. But he actually, if you watch the race back until two hours, he travelled quite well for a long way. Um, and he had been backed at big odds that day. So he, the way he goes through his races would suggest that he's probably a good workhorse. And that's why he's always been um, popular in the market. So uh, for all I'd have question marks about the trip with him, wherever he goes, um, he's going to be a big price next week. And I would um, say he's probably worth a small interest in one of the handicaps. I'd say given his rating of 134, possibly the Kim Muir would be the um, the likely race for him. Mm, that's Harper's Brook for Ben Pauling um, yeah. on Gold Cup I, I interviewed Daryl Jacob for the show a few weeks ago would have been directly after the Dublin Racing Festival and I brought up Gold Cup because he'd been beaten uh, he wasn't disappointed by that at all um, and, and thinks that he's very much a horse to, to follow going forward he might not be good enough for this and he might not even line up maybe Daryl wants to ride him next time um, and, and this would be a step up I think his racing post rating is something like is it 150? It's massively behind Gareth Dominiels anyway. He's 143. Ooh, ooh. Yeah, he, he yeah, yeah. I think he's probably one for handicap company. Given his yeah. record at the track, I wouldn't, wouldn't be surprised if they may be thinking about the Scottish National Forum because he's he obviously won twice at uh, uh, the form of his penultimate start. Maybe he's a horse called Your Own Story who um, actually won yesterday and give a boost to Stumptown's form. Um Stumptown obviously looks likely like that he's going to go for Kim Muir as well, mm-hmm. short price favourite now. Um, he was beaten by that horse at uh, Sandown and your own story, who also finished second to Gold Cup by. Came out and won yesterday, so there was a little form boost. Thomas Darby, as you say, was the horse who beat him um, most recently, uh, uh, and he's going to be back in action, albeit in a week to run a race tomorrow at Catherick. Um, but yeah, he's just, I think he's, he's improved massively since he's gone chasing, and he's um, I'd just be interested in him if he if he did get a bit of soft ground anywhere and maybe in a handicap up somewhere in the spring or say it could well be this weekend that he turns up somewhere in Ireland yeah definitely worth following um, in conclusion Gare Dominil is going to take the world of beating ground won't be an issue to him the ground is very dependent though for chemical energy in order for him to run well he would need good in the description if he doesn't get that just draw a line through him straight away but if he does get good in the description I think we both see him running a massive race and we both see him as the danger yeah, totally agree. All right, we're both on the same page for the National Chase. Uh, are we on the same page, though, for the Brown Advisory Novices Chase? Well, let's find out. Uh, the betting with BetDAC is headed by Gordon Elliott's Jerry Kalam, 7-4. to four. Industry best price with BetDAC for Jerry Kalam, 0% commission for your first 100 days. It's Cheltenham, Aintree, the classics. Let's go! Uh, Mighty Potter won't run, but he's in there at 7-2. Sir Gerrard wins a two-mile novice chase. And so let's go for the three-mile grade one novice chase. Okay, Willie. Willie Mullins doing Willie Mullins things. A five to one. The real whacker. Nine to two. Uh, Time Hill, no winner of the Cotto Star, has ever won the Brown Advisory. 11 to two. Uh, Gerard de Manil, I, I would fancy Gerard de Manil at six to one here. Uh, Ramelies, 12s. And uh, Gelia Delato is a 14 to one shot. Paul, what's your thoughts on the Brown Advisory? Uh, yeah, for the one about Horses who are um, ground dependent or certainly better on one condition. I do think Jerry Colomb wants soft ground up to be seen at his best. Um, and it's probably if there's one set of connections who are, who are hopeful for the rain to arrive, it would be um, Rob and Brian Aitchison. So 
for Jerry Colombo and Tihupu in the stairs hurdle, both both horses would probably have significantly greater chances, I would have thought, if the, if the ground came soft. I would agree with that. I think Gordon doesn't agree with that, but but I would, and the evidence would suggest that they would be better on soft. Yeah, I think he, well, he, he proved himself on officially on good soft at Sandown um, when he stayed on to beat um, Balco Coastal uh, in the Silly Isles. Should say Nikki Nikki Henderson actually nominated Balco Coastal as his each way select better the week uh, for this race. So I think he'd want the ground um, in contrast uh, to Jerry Colomb. I think he'd want relatively decent ground, really. Sorry, that was for the um, turn as he nominated him. Sorry, not for this race. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, Jerry Colomb, yeah, unbeaten so far, so we don't know um, quite how good he is, but his best performance for me, I loved the way he won his first bumper of Fairy House, that was heavy ground. Um, I thought he was he travelled really well at Limerick on the second start this year. I thought he was good on debut at Fairy House. Um, and Stamina won the day when he won over two mile seven. Say so he's only been two and a half or two five so far as a chaser, but he did win over two seven as a novice hurdler last year. Um, he's just type of horse. We just don't know how good he is, to be honest. Uh, but for me, he was a horse who was that effective on soft or heavy. You do have a slight question mark of whether they can reproduce that level of ability on much quicker ground. I think if say, I think if the the rain does arrive, um, he would have absolutely loved last year when uh, it oh. poured down and it was atro- atrocious conditions on the Wednesday. So um, if we did happen to get something like that, uh, I think he'd be he'd be the one to beat. But um, I think he'd do it. Would, I'm not sure I'd be taking too short a price about him if 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 the ground was decent on Wednesday. Yeah, I think that's fair. Um, you know, before he won at Sandown, Dennis said, Dennis O'Regan said on the show that he saw him as a Welsh national type. Now, he clarified that. He wasn't saying back him for next year's Welsh national and that's where he'll be going. Native River won a Welsh national and then won a Grand National synchronized. You know, it, it can be done, but he was basically talking about the ground. That that kind of ground yeah. in the winter is just ideal for him. And that has to be a concern. It, it has to be a concern. On the positive side, he's never been beaten. In point-to-points, bumpers, novice hurdles, he's never been beaten. So we don't know how good he is. We do know he finds off the ball. Yeah, just yeah, you just don't know his ceiling. That's the thing. But yeah. um, and he and he and he hasn't been. The, the, the interesting thing was whether it was I don't know whether it was by design or a deliberate move. Probably in bumpers, it was a deliberate move. He was kept out of graded company um, last year. He only ran twice over hurdles. Um, made quite hard work of it beating um, early rows at, at Down Royal on debut and then say the track was probably tight enough for him um, at Thurlers when he when he made it two from two but the trip maybe negates that and I think that's where Gordon's coming from thinking the step up and trip might negate the ground issue but um, it's a bit different at grade one level I'd say so I think the step up and trip will definitely improve him at the start of the season I thought he might have even been possibly a, a national and chase horse but um, mm. Obviously, to be able to win two Grade Ones over an intermediate trip shows you're not completely devoid of pace by any means. Um, but I just I would like I say I'd say he'd be he'd be a, he'd be a strong favourite on soft ground. I think, but um, I think possibly good good to soft. You could look maybe at something at a slightly bigger price. Is that mitigated though by stepping up and trip to three miles? If it is good to soft. Yeah, it could, could well be, but um, I think that's where the, the angle where Gordon's coming from, isn't it? But 
say just when you see a horse who is so effective on in in background like that, you just I just do wonder if if they can re- reproduce the same level of form. They might be capable of winning races on decent ground, um, but um, this will be as stiff as test to date. And whether he would be able to say maintain that unbeaten record, um, only time will tell. But you say if you're looking at a horse who's favourite, you want everything in his favour really at the festival yeah I mean that's that would be one of my criticisms of John Bond like his price I I just don't understand how anybody could get excited about backing John Bond at, at the price he is right now I think it's it's easier with Jerry Kalam and there was a quote from Brian Artson when he won at Sandown like most of the attention was on the Dublin Racing Festival um, Gordon only put him in really to see what was going to turn up and then decided oh let's go um, and straight after that race, Brian Archon was saying we might not go to Cheltenham and that he's a horse for next year. And if you go back through the, the history of quotes involving this horse, like when Jamie Codd wrote him in, in his bumper, uh, when Dennis O'Regan won a novice hurdle on him at Down Royal, Gordon being asked about him, it's always we want to get him over fences. It's always about he's a stayer for the future. He's an exciting horse to look forward to. He's a, he's a Gold Cup horse in the making. It was never about we can't wait to run him a champion bumper. It was never about we can't wait to go for a graded hurdle at, at um, Cheltenham. I think they did contemplate going for the Albert Bartlett with him. But it was always yeah, about I, I steadily bringing last, him through to, to I was, chases. I say, I think last year maybe he picked up a slight injury, I think, after um, that second hurdle, if I remember right. So, um, But I think, I say, it's it's unusual for one of Gordon's are such a good horse to have been uh, minded somewhat mm. um, until this season when Obviously, he only had the one chase start, and then he was pitched straight in. He's won his two grade ones. So, um, yeah. So, should we look at some of the opposition? He, yeah, yeah, we should. Um, look, he's he's won two grade ones. I think he's rock solid, um, and I think he will be okay on good to soft. If that's what we get, if it's if it's soft ground, good night and good luck. How far? If it's good to soft, I think he's okay on it, and I'm very excited to see what he can do over three miles. In terms of his opposition. This is a bad race. This is a brutal race. I mean, Gerard de Manil finishing third behind the Hoist Senor and Lampresse is much better than what he's going to face here. Jerry Colomb aside, which is why I think if they switched him to this, I think he'd be a massive player in it. And he really should go and win the National on Chase. Um, but the real whacker, Time Hill, who is probably a little bit late going chasing. He was woeful at Newbury, very good in the Colostar, Star, but that race completely fell apart. Jeez, this is a bad race, Paul. Yeah, and that's the thing now. It's like trying to be trying to be original with some of these selections, but um, when people moan about the different options at Cheltenham Festival nowadays, but it does make them harder to find uh, value and alternatives because um, they're a bit, a bit thinner on the ground in this race. If you look, Sagerhard's probably the most well, he is the most naturally talented horse in the race he's won. For sure. Um, obviously, at the past two festivals, won the champion bumper. Um, last year's Ballymore. Um, clearly, both years he was probably didn't, didn't perform to the same level of punch down at the end of the season. So he's better judged on early season form. He's good enough to win um, grade ones over grade one, obviously, at over two miles. Obviously, like you already touched upon, made his chase debut um, over the minimum trip where. He did make one fairly serious. I wouldn't think it was as bad around the jumping as some people made out, but you would have to worry about the experience. I know for all that I said earlier that um, it's maybe not as significant 
nowadays than than was the case. Arriving at Cheltenham on the back of one chase run is slightly different. We've seen a couple of horses do it in the Arkle for the pipes over the years, well, Chief and uh, Western Warhorse. Um, but when you're talking about three mile novice chase, I think, I think we've only actually seen one horse win this race on the back of two chase starts this century. That was Don Foley, the one before him was Florida Pearl. Um, obviously, both represent Willie Mullins, but both of those were six year olds, and I think that was a deliberate move um, in their regard because we've seen this, this race, it's difficult for six year olds to win this race. Um, and I think Willie was kind of the mind. And then I wrote a piece in the Cheltenham Guide actually about um, what he does the, the, with his novices. And, and in recent years, the experience has been a little less. Like Gallop and Deschamps, if he'd have run in this race last year, would have been running on the back of two two wins. Um, but I think by in the case of Gerhards, obviously, it was a, he had a setback at one stage. We didn't think he was going to make it um, to the track. Did he? he said then it was, he was likely he was going to... St- Remain over hurdles. Then he appears. Um, I think it was on Thiesties Day, wasn't it? Yeah. Anyone, uh, they, were talk- they were talking about Punchestown. Um, that if they were going to get him back at all, it would be Punchestown. Yeah. So they, they've worked wonders to get him back. Yeah. I think it's a massive step up in trip as well. He could have gone the, could have gone the Turners. Um, I wonder will he still. Is it possible that they, if, if they are going to put in Remelis or Remelis or whatever the hell his pronunciation is, if they are going to switch him to, to this race instead of the National Hunt, is there still a chance that Sir Garrett goes a Willie Mullins bingo the, style late switch to the Turners? I think there could be because it's a huge jump from two miles to three, an extended three. When there's, the, when there's an option there of running in... Um, in two five race and, and he's only actually been um since he obviously won his point to point over three miles, but that's not always a clear sign of a stay, as we know. And actually, under rules he's only run beyond the minimum trip once, and that was when he won last year's Ballymore over two five and that that trip looked good for Matt. Personally, um I think the Turners would probably be a more um, suitable race for him, to be honest. Yeah, the trip is a concern for me as well. And I covered that race for Talksport, um, the Thiestes, and and you're right. His jumping was actually perfectly fine, except for was it the third or the fourth, where he took the yeah, he learned from it. And, yeah, he did. Yeah, but he did learn from it. And he jumped better. And he, in the end, he was miles on top of um, opposition. You would expect him to beat, but um, so it's just it would just be a, it's just got to be a little bit concerned. And, and the horse going to any novice chase at Cheltenham on the back of just one run. Yeah, it it has to be a concern. Um, you did write in detail in the Weatherby's Cheltenham Festival betting guide about experience and you were referencing novice hurdlers and how Willie has kind of changed the game with like the nice guy coming out and winning the potato race after only one run and that but that's very much a Willie Mullins thing that Willie can do that it doesn't and David Pipe can do it but it doesn't appear as though anybody else can and it's something to to bear in mind and if he pulls this off if he wins and it's such a bad race maybe he will if he wins a Brown Advisory with Sir Gerard on the back of just one run over fences over two miles, and now you've gone up to Great One Company over three, then, I mean, we already know the guy's a genius and the best trainer in the business, but he's he's gone to a completely different level if he can pull this off. Uh, you're basically backing Willie Mullins, you're backing Paul Townend, and you're backing Sir Gerard's previous Cheltenham experience. That's what you're you're basing any support on, of him on. And the fact that this is not yeah, a not, race... Cl- yeah, you're clearly not backing him on chase form, but as I said, he's probably the most naturally talented horse in the race. Well, mm. he is. He's a dual festival winner, um, high class performer. But as I say, 
at the at the price he is. So you, um, it's a, it is a bit of a big ask. Well, to, to well that's the other factor. It's not like you're getting eighteen to one about the nice guy in the potato race. You're you're you've been asked to take yeah, fours, exactly. and nah. And I love Sir Gerard. He's cost me a hundred quid to you because he hasn't stayed over <laughs> hurdles. But aside from that, love him, and uh, and I, I'll cheer him on if he goes and does it. But no, I, I would quietly fancy him in the Turners. Um, but even it being such a bad... And, and I think one of the quotes from Willie on Tiesti's day, he mentioned the National Hunt Chase. We're not in the National Hunt Chase. I uh, don't believe he'd be qualified for it. But he was talking about the reason they would go here is the, is the distance, that if he is making mistakes, he would have more distance to be able to... more ground to be able to make up for that. And that yeah, works to a certain extent. It doesn't fill you with confidence. No, it doesn't. And, and but, that, you can uh, do that over hurdles, but I don't know if you can do that over fences. Um, so, yeah, I, look, I, I would draw a line through them. Uh, best of the rest, Time Hill. No cut of star, novice chase winner has ever won this. Uh, he was visually impressive that day, but he he stayed over hurdles quite a bit. High-class hurdlers have yeah, gone for this long, race long. in the past, and they've bombed out completely. Um but Philip Hobbs has a, has an outstanding record at Cheltenham. To be fair, uh, yeah, he did. St- he's, he spent longer over hurdles, and I prefer personally, like when I'm putting jumpers to follow together, I prefer um, the novice chase. I'm looking at to have been ideally just gone straight from the novice hurdle campaign um, to chasing. He took his time to warm to the task, wasn't overly taken back with him on his first couple of starts. Um, obviously, first time cheap pieces then at Kempton um, did it well, as you say. The, the race fell apart a little bit. You've already touched upon the statistics. No winner of the Feltham or Corto Star has gone on to win, although um, Mike Bite was unlucky not to do it. He, excuse me, felt at the final fence at Kempton and then won um, this race. So would have completed a double and True. there's every chance Coney Green would have done as he, he ran the Gold Cup and won that instead. So I think it's safe to assume they would likely have won the Brown Advisory if he did or RSA as it was then. Um, so I don't think it's quite as damning as the Jallow kit. He wouldn't have um, beaten Jallow the mighty Dunphole in the <laughs> <laughs> big shout big shout <laughs> um, I'm just bitter about Jack and so yeah, getting done by him that's all 33 to 1 Jack and jeez um, anyway uh, yeah sorry so Time Hill it probably for me just spent a little bit too long over hurdles um, the real Waka uh, unexposed still connection still saying they're thinking about the Gold Cup which I can't believe he will run there surely will run in this race looking at it as we're saying, it's, it doesn't look the, the strongest renewal. He's jumped really well. He's got um, ch- obviously got chasing experience um, around the track, having uh, won both chase starts at Cheltenham. I uh, thought he was really good on in uh, the dipper on New Year's Day. Um, he'd go back up and trip. He, on all known form, he's going to have to improve to win this, though, really, because like, he, he only beat Indigo Breeze just less than a length on debut. Um, and on a line through Monmorel and Thunder Rock, you wouldn't be filled with confidence either, given what Jerry Colomb did to them at Sandown. Yeah, true. It was a funny race, the dipper, but um, just kind of jumped them into the ground. The real whacker, so his fencing will keep him. I think his jumping will give him a chance. Um, has he got the class to win this? Not 100% sold, to be honest. Yeah, I, I agree with you. Um, on Time Hill, if you're a supporter of him, Philip Hobbs had four runners at Cheltenham last year. Time Hill second in the stairs, Campron fourth in the Carl Cup, Celeb Deland fifth in the plate. It's been a while since he's trained a winner there, but when he when he heads to Cheltenham, 
he rarely leaves empty handed. He at least gets the place money. Um, I so because this is such a bad race, and I have no idea if this horse is going to turn up or not. Might not even be on the boat, but if he does, I would be prepared to swing at one at a big price. What's the current price in this film now? I, I, I know we can get forties. Can we get bigger than forties? Though is the question. Paul's already going forty. What is this guy about to come up with? Uh, no, forties is the best price. I am Maximus. Now don't don't burst out laughing um, just yet. I'm not saying he can win this race. I, I don't think for a second that he can. But he did run at Cheltenham last year behind Sir Gerard. He was lapped, but at least he has experience of the old course at Cheltenham. He's still a maiden over fences, which is far from ideal, and he would not be good enough to win this. But it wasn't a bad run on Chase debut behind Manila Crooner. He was only beaten a short head that day. He was beaten by Gentleman's Game, who I think is very good. And it's a fine run behind Mighty Potter at the Dublin Racing Festival. He'd need to sprout wings to be able to win it. But at 40 to 1 each way, I could see him hitting the frame. And Willie Mullins has got a 26% strike rate with the progeny of Authorised at Cheltenham. Yeah, Nicky pulled a funny face when um, Danny Mullins mentioned him for the Ultima last week on the, on the panel we with him, obviously previously training them. Uh, <laughs> I'm not sure it was a vote of confidence anyway. Well, the, one, the one I saw said a price, um, not, not a huge price, but a, a double figure price if he runs here rather than in, he's obviously got the turn as the option is um, stage staff, Paul Nichols. Disappointed at the festivals last year, both um, at Cheltenham in the Ballymore and in the Mersey, again, three stripe life at Aintree. Um, but he's he's since bounced back over fences. He's a bit disappointed at Newbury on a second start, but um, he won twice either side of that. And then he put up as much the best of his performances to date, I thought, when he won um, under top weight in the time for novices handicap on trials day. I thought that was a really good performance off the mark at 142. Um, that's all right, Gino finished second. Um, I think he was giving him £4 that day, and, and but he just looked in a completely different league to the opposition. He looked like he needs to go back up. And that's all right, Gino obviously split solo and boot hill on his next start. So um, I think that was relatively solid form for, in terms of handicap. Um, stage star, I think, probably probably versatile enough in terms of ground, but I think he does like a bit of nice ground. Uh, and whether he turns up in this race or the turners, I think he's possibly capable of running well at a relatively decent price. Yeah, it sounds like it's the turners. But yeah, it was, it was funny. Paul was leaning to the one interview a couple of weeks ago saying he was thinking about stepping up and trip. But then the last couple of times I've heard him speak, it did, does sound like he's leaning more towards the turners. So we're getting fairly thin on the ground for opposition to Jerry Colombo now, I think. Mm. Paul Nichols doing his own version of William Mullins Bingo. Um, Fame and Glory has had nine winners from 71 runners at Cheltenham in the last five years, 12 winners from 87 runners at graded level in the last 12 months. Um, I'd be very interested in him in either race. Final selections for the Brown Advisory. I'm with Jerry Kalam, and if he turns up each way, I am Maximus at 40s. You? Uh, yeah, if conditions are deemed suitable enough, I think um, softer the better, really. But I think Jerry Kalam probably is the, the best horse in the race. As I say, stage star, if he does happen to turn up here rather than the turners, and maybe it would need decent ground for that to be the case and to clear the step in the muffin ship but he'd, he'd probably be the one I'd be interested in each way Move, it's how far 
Telfar, if there's any soft in the going for Jerry Clum in my mind. Um, is Gordon Elliott going to be doing a grade one chase double? Maybe Chemical Energy will have won the grade two uh, National Hunt chase. Maybe he'll be sweeping the board. Mighty Potter heads the betting forum in the Turners. The best price, uh, industry best price available with BetDAC is currently 11 to 8. He's shortened again, but it is the best price that you can get. Uh, Banbridge, 7-2, to two, an impressive winner of the Martin Pipe last year and won an Oracle trial at Cheltenham earlier in the season. There was a time where I thought he could win the Oracle itself. Uh, appreciated, 9-2, to two, seems certain to go here. Sir Gerard, maybe, could it be Willie Mullins bingo again? Switch, switchy. Uh, sevens, Stage Star, who we just talked about, is 12s with Betdak. Uh, and then you've got Balco Coastal, who's around about a 12-1 to one shot if you act fast, and uh, Nicky Henderson's each way better than meeting. So Mighty Potter is obviously the main focus here. He's been very impressive over fences so far. He's a dual-grade one winner. He did pull up, though, at Cheltenham last year. Does his experience of Cheltenham cause you concern, and how strong or how keen, how strong are you on him, or are you keen to take him on? Uh, well, this is one race where, the one race we're going to talk about, which I have got it. Um, and interesting from he's the one also I backed at the start of the season to win this race. So um I backed him in October to win this race. Um a lot of listeners followed you in by the way. Hopefully they did. Hopefully a lot of jumpers to follow readers back there. I only put two horses up in the anti post section. It was him and Blazing Carla twenty five to one for um to stay. So I hope, I hope some people have got a sweat on the double anyway. Um what price did you get on Lady Potter? Um, uh, 14s. Oh, um, nice, Paul Ferguson. Nice. So, uh, you say, like, right throughout last season, um, he was one of the leading prospects in the book last year as well. I really liked the way, the way he won his bumper. Um, and throughout last season, despite the fact that he was able to win two graded novice hurdles over the minimum trip, I couldn't wait to see him over two and a half miles and I couldn't wait to see him over fences. Um and I must admit, I was slightly underwhelmed by his debut performance at Downworld. He didn't blow me away like I was expecting him to that day. I thought he'd, he'd win really well and he just was a little bit more laboured, but it was better again um, in the Dream One of a chase when he beat Gaia Dominial and Bambridge. Um, I think the ground being soft probably played against Bambridge on that occasion. We'll come to that in a minute. Um, that form looks relatively solid and then he, he stepped forward again, I thought, when Winning the Labrooks Novice Chase at the Dublin Racing Festival, um, perhaps he wasn't quite as impressive or wouldn't have been as strong a race as the Irish Arthur and El Fabiola, but um, in terms of performances, he probably wasn't far behind them. Um, and I think he's just got better with each race. And I think that's it with him. He still looks quite a raw horse, I think. And there just looks tons of improvements in him. I think he could easily be a King George and even maybe a Gold Cup horse next season. Um, and if that's to be the case, probably needs to be winning this and I think the softer the ground not necessarily the better it will help his chance but it will inconvenience Bambridge who I think is the main danger I think on good ground Bambridge could close the gap um, he jumped particularly well at Cheltenham and has a great record of course obviously won the Martin Pipe is two from two having won the Arkle trial which you already touched upon earlier um, and I think on spring ground stepping back up in trip there could be a massive run in Bambridge so I think if Soft ground, mighty bother handles well enough. Doesn't I don't think I don't think he bothered either way. Let's be honest, but I think it would inconvenience Bambridge. So I think soft ground would 
make Mighty Potter's task a little bit easier personally. As you say, his only disappointment today did come at Cheltenham, so that lack of course form is the one thing you could hold against him. And if you're trying to take him on now, if you haven't got an investment already, that would be something you would be pointing towards. Um, I don't know, he made a serious error probably at the wrong time. Um, I wasn't sure he was quick enough. I was actually surprised he bounced back at Budgetown after such a poor and probably an amazing training performance really by Gordon to get him back. Um, a month later to win a Punchestown and obviously um, to get hard to appear to underperform um, yeah it's something you can hold against him am I too worried about it not necessarily over fences and on a newer course the more expansive gallop and track not really overly concerned about him ideally yeah, you, would, you would have liked to have seen him run well at the festival previously um, but that was a fast run race to Supreme last year and could probably excuse many a horse for being a run off the feet in that race. Yeah, it was a crazy pace they went. And I, look, Jack Kennedy was was kind of forced into the decision to pull him up, but at least he made that decision three out. Um, and it's, it's probably saved him, and that's possibly the reason how he was able to bounce back so well at Punchestown. It just it would be a concern in the back of your mind that he's a six to four favourite. He's gone to Cheltenham, 11 to eight now. He's gone to Cheltenham once in his life and he's pulled up there. Uh, whereas Banbridge has been to Cheltenham twice. It was a lesser grade race in the Martin Pipe, but that race has been won by Don Poli, uh, by Sir Deschamp, by the horse who really should have won this race last year, Gallop on Deschamps. Oh, dear, oh, dear God. Um, what do you make of, of his Irish Arkle win? Uh, Irish Arkle run, even. So El, El Fabiolo has, has murdered them. It, people are, are taking the positives from that run. You could argue he was taken off his feet. Uh, JJ has then reined him back in and then gone for it when Appreciated and Dice or Dynamo have been battling it out and they start to fade. Yeah, that's yeah, I think that's fair. Um, you can look at it that way. I thought it was a good run, really. Probably, it's probably just not up to the really top level, I wouldn't think, over the minimum trip. The fact that he was able, I think his jumping won the day when he won the two miles. Um, novice chase at Cheltenham earlier in the season which was great too he beat Tommy's Oscar that day um, Tommy's Oscar's a good horse and we touched on him briefly before and talking about Boot Hill mm. he obviously beat Boot Hill um, in the Lightning Novice chase at Doncaster um, and I think Tommy's Oscar will go straight to Aintree skipping Cheltenham this year um, so I, I think I just think the fact that he was able to win that day was was down to his jumping and it was a really good ride I thought Um I think two and a half miles is his trip. I think he will improve for it. And although he, he, as you say, he was probably the beneficiary of a ride to finish in the best position last time, if that makes sense. I do think he can confirm the form over appreciate it. Granted, he gets his conditions. Um, be interesting to see. I assume it does look like appreciate is going to step up and trip finally now because um, he's always shaped like he would benefit for it. Well, on um, that, think, um, on that start of the season. When he came out and won very impressively on his chasing debut, this would have been one of the one of the first times that Dennis was back on the show, um, and uh, he gave a very very interesting piece of analysis. He he said, "I could see him running in the National Hunt Chase." Now he wasn't saying back him for the National Hunt Chase because again he wouldn't have been qualified for it either, but he was making the point that stamina is not going to be an issue for appreciated and going up and trip will will very much suit him. Um, and then he comes out at Nace on soft ground and bolts up again. Again, he's a million on. He should be winning that race. 
but they possibly just forgot that he's nine. I think Ruby actually said that on the road to Cheltenham, that he's nine now and, and he's lost a step. Um, but he's still a very, very good horse. And he comes in with superb Cheltenham form to his name as well. He has to be a big, big player. Yeah, of course, does Shea Festival form. He was second in the champion bumper 2020, uh, won, uh, impressively won uh, the Supreme the following year. And uh, 24 length winner that day, obviously, would have been a reduced uh, winning distance had Blue Lord not fallen the last. Um, only sixth last year in the champion hurdle, but that, that was a huge ask, really, after a year off to um, go and contest the uh, the champion hurdle. He's only beaten nine and a quarter length, so. It wasn't a, it wasn't a, um, a, a really poor run by any means. Like it was just, I just thought he faced a, a pretty daunting task on that occasion after a year off. As you say, done all his winning over two miles starts this and pretty sure they, they saw him as an article contender then. Oh, they Paul yeah. riding him in the Irish article, but if he'd have won now, he would have been staying over us. But um, they've now found out, obviously. Um, perhaps stepping up in triple open a bit more improvements. I'd, I'd, on good ground, I'd be, I would be more fearful of Bambridge, I must admit. Just say a younger horse, like I wouldn't. Um, for also nine, um, to be fair, I appreciate he hasn't got that many miles on the clock, but um, still, I'm never a huge fan of backing horses at that age in novice chases. No, I, I'm not either. And it's possible that, at least for the Cheltenham Festival, that his time has come and gone. Um, in terms of going, being able to go and win the novice chase, but he's definitely a player. And he doesn't have any experience over the distance over fences, but he has won over this distance over hurdles. Uh, it was a bumper, I think, wasn't it? He won his... He won well, it over, was. It was... He won over hurdles. Yeah, he won a bumper, two and a half miles, yeah. And on, a, um, a lesser broadcaster would edit that out. Yeah. A lesser broadcaster would edit, <laughs> edit that out, Twala. Edit, edit that out quickly. No, um, actually, his point to point the, debut against when he was beat, he was beaten by Envoy Allen in a two yeah. and a half mile point to point before he's won his point to point over three. Again, then he had a lengthy break before um, entering bumpers, so um, he was a six year old by the time he finished his bumper campaign, which he won the grade two at the Dublin Racing Festival, which came on the back of a win at Christmas over two and a half miles, as you say, in that two mile four bumper at Leopardstown. Um, so his, his career path has been. A little bit stop start. He's had. He said he's had that one break from point to point. He had six hundred twenty-two days off, um, and then he had a whole year off prior to last year's champion hurdle. So he's had. He's obviously had two setbacks at least at some stage in his career. So things like that are always just slightly off button for me um, as horses start to age. So I have been looking to take him on. Obviously, in his first two chase starts this year, it wasn't really the option because he was just. Um, far superior to the opposition and I did think he was found wanting somewhat in the Irish article last time for all again that I did say that that's probably the strongest piece of form on offer in the in the novice chase division so oh, it'll be interesting to see if he improve if he improves for the step up and trip like you say he was more in the heat of the battle than Bambridge was um, but definitely if the ground's good I'd, I'd fear Bambridge most for me mighty positive yeah and the ground is is key with him because they went to Fairy House and it just rained and rained and rained and it turned up soft. Day before, it was good to soft at least. Uh, Joseph is on record as saying he needs good ground. In fact, when he won the Oracle trial at Cheltenham, he made a point of saying you won't see much of him now until Cheltenham because ground is, is so important to him. It's currently officially good ground for the new course, and I know they're even having difficulty growing the grass 
on the new course. It's a little bit different to, to the old course, the way things are, are going there. But if he doesn't get good ground in the description at all, forget him. He's got no chance if he doesn't have good ground in the description. Whereas Appreciated won't have any difficulty with the ground. Neither will Mighty Potter. He'll be fine. Do we have an update on the going? Live that's just, going update? That's just from that's just romantic. The other positive for him is Willie Mullins has won this race four nope. times. No update yeah. on the going. Yeah, no, there's no update yet. Well, if it well, if there's good seven, if there's good in the description, then Banbridge is a terrific bet. He fits the right age profile. He's unbeaten at the course. There's an awful lot to like about him. Mighty Potter brings in. Here's the thing I'd the say with form. him: if, if you if you yeah, if you look at trends and statistics, um, Grade One winning novice hurdle form is a strong pointer um, yeah. in this, and that would be something that Banbridge would fall down on. Obviously, he was. Um, the highlights of his novice idol campaign game when he won the Martin Pipe last year. Um, and then he bombed out at Ainsley. And then he disappointed. But I, you could say he'd been on the go a long time through last season. I'd be more than happy to forgive him that. Um, his jumping has been really good. He's jumped really well the first two starts when he won a core and then when he won that race at Cheltenham. I think he definitely jumps better off that um, autumn ground, you'd say then, rather than spring ground. But um, I think Say so he's definitely one horse who, who will, um, whose performance um, and chance will definitely be enhanced by a sounder service. Yeah, absolutely. If you're getting a going description that has good in it, then Banbridge is a huge player. If it's not in the description, just draw a line through him, hit the X on the Racing Post site. Um, it's unoriginal, Paul, but I think Mighty Potter takes the beating and. I, I do like Appreciate It. I think Appreciate It will run very well here. And I find it hard to see him out of the frame. Final selection for you? Uh, yeah, I'll keep, say, be with them all year. I'll keep the faith of Mighty Potter. I should, again, just say, as we already touched upon, if Stage Star runs here, I think he's capable of running a good race um, at a decent price and adamantly chosen. Um, he's been found out at the top level. Um, but again, He's, his, his form on good ground is much better. So again, even though he's been beat by Mighty Potter a couple of times in Grade One company, if the ground was good, um, he's probably wanted. He, he could could run well at a decent price for William Owens as well. So he'd probably be overlooked in the market because he's been beaten on the last three starts twice by Mighty Potter. Uh, but that's not to say he can't run well. I say he'd probably close the gap on decent ground as well. Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned him because. They thought he'd win the Martin Pipe last year. It didn't happen. They thought he'd win the Galway Hurdle. He was desperately unlucky. Um, and I've been impressed with him over fences. Like, there's nothing wrong with finishing second to Jerry Kalam, who I think is going to win the Brown Advisory. And there's nothing wrong with the run la- the last day either. For forecast purposes and exotic purposes, he's definitely a player. And the 20s is long gone. So that, that Gaelic Warrior, Ilete Tomp, adamantly chosen bet that also has appreciated for the wrong race and uh, Sir Gerard for the wrong race. Maybe a little bit alive, but uh, exotic purposes only. Um, each way only. Uh, I, I think it's... On the current going, it's between Mighty Potter, Banbridge, and Appreciated. If it's soft ground, it's Mighty Potter and, and Appreciated, in my opinion. Mare's Chase. Yes, we're talking about novice chases, but there's a couple of novices in this race as well, and it's a fascinating renewal. Uh, of the race. So the betting currently with BetDAC, as we record, sees Allegora Devasi 6-4. That's the best price that you can get. She's a general 11-8 to shot, and she's only going in one direction, and that is shorter. Uh, impervious for Cullen Murphy. 
another one who is an expensive acquisition by J.P. McManus as he assembles a really strong Cheltenham team. Colin Murphy's only got one entry for Cheltenham, and it is this mare. Uh, she is 7-4 to four with Betdak. Um, Gavin Cromwell's Jeremy's Flame is a 5-1 to one shot. Magic Days for Henry de Bromhead, 10s. And Gallia Delato would have this option as well. It sounds like they're going to go brand advisory, but maybe the Skeletons would choose to go here instead. And you can get 14s with Betdak as we record about her. Your thoughts on the Mare's Chase, the second last race of Cheltenham 2023, Paul? I think the fact that last year's winner, Ellie May, um, is what double figure price um, tells you she was the second in the, the first from nearly the race the year before as well. So I think that tells you the quality of this year's field. Um, Jeremy's Flame is probably the solid one if you don't want to get involved with one of the um, the two novices who topped the market and we'll come to them shortly. But um, I thought Jeremy, I was at Huntington the day Jeremy's Flame won. She was absolutely bolted up. She was a uh, Pretty impressive on decent ground and beat a, a fair yard sticking Zambella, who has run well, and Tweed Skirt, good novice as well. Zambella's obviously run well in this race before, uh, finished fourth last year, um, and was in good form. I've won her previous two starts, and uh, Jeremy's flame travelled all over. So, Gavin Cromwell's obviously enjoying a really good time of, of late. And um, I'd say if, you, if you're wanting to side with experience over potential, um, she would be the way to go again, I think. Even though she's won on um, stuff around, I think she's, um, I think she's at home on a decent service. Good, good to soft ground. It was, it was probably quick enough for Huntington, um, and she she travelled really well. Travelled all over, um, Sam Mella. So if you say if you're looking to oppose the inexperienced pairing, um, she she definitely be one. But again, she's another one who, who kind of a, the market's caught up with. She was around nine to one, ten to one, not so long ago. And mm-hmm. um, I think um, some shrewdies might well have um, availed themselves to the fact that she she could be the each way option if um, if experience catches the two novices out. So um, it's not surprising really to see a, a halving price in recent days and weeks. What do you make of the top two, Allegory Devasi and Impervious? Who do you favour? Uh, Allegory Devasi. I think nat- natural talent. I think she's probably not far off at what any of the horses we've spoken about throughout the whole show. To be honest, I think she'd have been she'd be well up to taking a chance in in a turn as in fact I think Impervious could could have easily been given a turn as entry, to be honest, on the back of she beat the boys would be um Journey she was given Journey with me a pound when she beat him because she was penalised in that race of Punchestown, um, which changes its name every year. But I've uh, been a good guard to the turners in recent years. Uh won by Bob Ollinger and Voyland. Um, carefully selected in recent years but her jumping's good one thing I'd say with Impervious maybe a, she's quite quick and um, just whether if this became a, a really strongly run race on one I think again probably not going to be the biggest field but um, maybe have a quite have a slight question mark about her stamina um, over an extended two and a half um, she seems to improve for the step open trip Two, three and a half at Punchestown, but I say if it was just, um, I just have that in my mind. She is quite a, a pacey mare for two and a half, so um, I'd, I'd bear that in mind. Obviously, better ground, maybe I get another, another slight concern for her. She, she did win um, her first couple of starts over Hurdle, the Maiden Hurdle, and Novice Hurdle in the summer of 2021 on relatively decent ground. 
before she won that grade three at Down Royal. So over fences, she's mainly raced on deep ground this year, but to say it's a jumping that's been impressive. Um, she readily disposed of Dino Blue at Cork. Um, and, and she stayed on stronger over the two mile trip. And I say she did shape like the, the two mile three from Punchestown. And um, was a good move. That was fairly strong form. I say Journey with me, probably capable of running well in the end. Turners and I thought she might have been handling entry, but she was straight. Um, she's going to go straight here. This was the only race she was entered in. But in terms of natural ability, um, I just think Allegory Davasi could be a notch above. And Bervis was obviously beaten sorry, in the dawn run last year, and Allegory Davasi would have been favoured for that race and was pulled out. Um, obviously, a late, a late withdrawal on that occasion. Um, She's only had the two starts, whereas Impervious had the three. That's probably, again, a factor uh, that should be mentioned. At Limerick, for 90% of her debut, I thought she was, her jumping was faultless. I thought she, she, she's got the physique for fence, and I thought she just took to it naturally. And later on, you can understand um, perhaps Sean O'Keefe just wanted to pop those last couple of fences. So um, I had no issue with that chase debut at all. Um, then she went to Thales, and, and that was a bit of a different matter. She nearly parted company with Ball Town and the first given this tendency where she likes to go to her right. And that's the thing when you're talking about short fights favour now. But just talking about her ability before we get to that. Um, despite shifting to her right on a number of occasions, she um, beat Brad's Hill by uh, 19 lengths, given her £5 and, and the runner-up came out. Uh, more recently, um, at the same track, I won a listed race quite comfortably, beating Tell Me Something Girl by a few, by four lengths. So, um, form is really solid. She was good enough to beat Brandy Love um, over hurdles at Fairy House last January. Um, say the, the thing you'd have in your mind, switching to a left-handed track, is she going to dive out to a right as she did, as she has done so far? Um, if she jumps well and straight, I think she'll win. I think she's much the best of these and got the potential. Um, I heard David Jennings say it a couple of times on TV saying she could make this race her own and Win it two or three years in a run, I'd, I'd, I'd tend to agree with them there that she's got the raw ability to be um, a real top class mare. It wouldn't surprise me if she won this and then um, went and take on the boys in the, uh, the two and a half mile novice chase at um, Fairy House um, on Easter Sunday. I think that would be an option for her, but say, I think she's got that much ability. But whether you want to take six to four about a mare who has showed the tendency to, to be a bit wayward at her fences. Um, that's, that's, the, uh, that's the big question. It is. And all of her runs for Willie have come right-handed and she does jump out to her right and that has to be a concern. It can't not be. However, over the weekend, I went onto the Acadia site and uh, watched back the videos of her two runs at Otoy, which is left-handed. And the first run was... Oof, it was It was rough to watch. Um, she does jump out to her right quite a bit, and she did herself no favours there. But six months later, she goes back to Otoy. Uh, she had been second at Compagnon, and then they bring her out on the 30th of April, and she only jumped slightly to her right. Only slightly. And she was foot perfect pretty much at every fence. And And when she did jump out to her right, it was only a minor inconvenience. She had learned an awful lot for her previous connections. I don't think that's going to be a problem at all. I would have no concern about her going left-handed. I don't really have an issue with her jumping 
expenses. She was very exuberant at the third uh, under Paul, and Paul looked more like a superhero that day than a jockey pulling wonders to, to manage to stay on board. But on the second circuit, when they tackled that fence, she jumped it beautifully. And yeah, she has, well, when, when she meets a fence on a stride, that's what I say. She looks, oh, yeah. She's, she's different. She class. looks very good. Impervious is a really nice horse. Allegory de Vassi's in a completely different league. She will butcher them. Am I seeing 13 days about her? I am. Deary me. There's a couple of firms that go in 13 days. Punish them. Punish them. She's, she's a solid moral. Allegory de Vassi wins. Um, champion Bumper. But this is a novice chase podcast. Well, we're giving you a bonus. Champion Bumper. A dream to share for John Kiley. Four to one with Betdak. Same price as the Patrick Mullins bred Willie Mullins trained. It's for, apologies, fun, fun, fun is eight to one. That's the horse that he bred. Um, Patrick can't ride fun, fun, fun because of the weight that she will be carrying on the day. So we know for sure he won't be on, on fun, fun, fun. Um, maybe it'll be it's for me. Four to one, joint favorite with a dream to share. All right. Uh, Chapeau de Soleil. Did you see that horse at Fairy House? Uh, nine to one with Betdak. Better days ahead has come in for support. Twelves into tens with Betdak just before we started recording. Uh, Factofile, who was just behind a dream to share at the Dublin Racing Festival, twelve to one with Betdak and Encanto Bruno for the John McConnell Yard is a fourteen to one shot. Now you've written extensively about the champion bumper for the Weatherby's Cheltenham Festival betting guide, so very much keen to get your insight here, Paul. Um, how do you see the Weatherby's champion bumper going? Uh, I thought. I know some firms have still got it for me as favourite. I think a dream to share should be favourite, should be clear favourite on um, what he achieved at Dublin Racing Festival. Agreed. And it was a fairly r- relatively slowly run race. And um, I think Patrick said afterwards uh, that he wouldn't mind another crack at the winner, granted, the tr- more truly run race. But a dream to share come from off the pace that day. And it's not always easy to come from off the pace on a slowly run race and still won by the best part of three lengths, a comfortable distance of that as well. I, I think if the ground was decent, um, I think he'd have no problem confirming the form. Um, I don't think it's a more strongly run race probably suits him, to be honest. He's another horse obviously who's been bought by J.P. McManus since we last seen him. Um, his win at Tipperary back in May uh, was impressive on debut. Uh, the horse he beat, actually, uh, I think he was sent off favour for the bumper at Aintree on, on his previous start and he was he was less convincing at, at short odds um, at Ross Common during the summer, um, but I think he. Um, there was a, again. It was a. It was a. It was a bit of a muddling race. But he ended up. He he, he got himself out of trouble and won. Um, that form wouldn't have you excited, but um, I say that that Grade Two at Leopardstown was that was a really good performance. The way he travelled and he, he put the race to bed quickly. He's a flatbred with a flat, um, with a speedy pedigree. So, and all of his wins have come on relatively decent ground. So again. He's a horse who would definitely want drying conditions. If 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 it turns soft, I'm not sure we'd say to see um, the same level of performance from a dream to share. But if um, the rain stays away, um, I think he would be the one to beat. And I'd prefer him over the um, Mullins horse at the top of the market. Fun, fun, fun. I'm not sure actually if she's going to run it. Daryl Jacob mentioned in his Sport and Life column last week that she might wait for um, for Aintree. So Aintree that would make more sense to be fair. Yeah, but I thought with a four-week gap, and she had she had a fair bit of time off between her debut success that was back in October, and and they've said afterwards they thought she might have needed the run maybe at Leopardstown. So I thought she would have been 
fine to go to both meetings. Maybe she will. Um, if I was Daryl, I'd be pushing for her to run, especially with Patrick not being able to ride. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I thought she was. I thought she was impressive at Leopardstown as well. So she'd be a player if she turned up. Um, it for me was visually impressive. Um, there's no denying that. Um, Beat Muck. Much substance to that form. Yeah, he's a horrible um, price for this. He might be the worst price of any horse going to Cheltenham. He beat uh, any, yeah, be anything right. that he beat that day that has run since has been lapped. Yeah, convincing. convincing. It's point to point forms, probably. Um, strong. Well, it is stronger than it's. I know you can't take it literally sometimes, but it's point to point form. He had rocked my way back in third. Yeah. Um, obviously came out and won. Um, it's point to point. Then finished second. We've all been caught on New Year's Day and won. And the grade two on trials day where he beat Pembroke. Um, so on literal form, that is point to point form stronger than his bumper form. Um, I just haven't been blown away really any, by any of the Mullins shops. I'd say the horse at the top of the market, um, a dream to share would be the one who would interest me most. And then I'd be looking at a few at bigger prices elsewhere. I think one that everyone should look at and a bit forgotten would be Encanto Bruno. Yeah. Um, we haven't, he won nicely during um, the summer. On the back of having won a point to point last March, but um, he was heavily backed at the October meeting um, and quite a shrewd operation, the John McConnell yard. Um, and he was well, he, he was well positioned in a slowly run race um, on good ground. Again, he's probably another one who would appreciate that nice ground. Um, but he, he quickened up really well to beat Strong Leader by fall. And Strong Leader's obviously won all three starts over hurdles and um, is going to take his chance in the Supreme Novices. So that's that's fairly strong piece of form. I think the fact that he's been off since October is why he's the price he is. I think when people start to look back at the form and watch the videos back, I think he'll probably um, come in for some support. Queen's Gamble's another course winner. She's another one who definitely likes good ground. She would definitely want the rain to stay away. She won twice the course. She won at the April meeting. Um, an emotional victory for Oliver Sherwood. Yeah. Made a winning reappearance in Listed Company at the same track. Really impressive. Um, beating a hurdles winner, Bonte. And then um, she lost her unbeaten record last month at Market Raisin. And that race was rescheduled a couple of times. So um, that's never always ideal in, in terms of preparation. But I think she was ridden quite positively on that occasion where she come from off the pace in the other two races. Um, and she looked the winner at the top of the straight, but was collared late on um, by a useful looking mare herself, by Sartinos, who um, won in similar fashion on debut at Ludlow. She come from off the pace. Fergal O'Brien, she goes straight to Aintree for the grade two. And Queen's Gamble was trying to give her four pound that day, and I say probably wasn't ridden to best advantage. So um, I'd say if Johnny could granted, have that ride back, he would. She was just in front yeah, of a little bit too long. Yeah, I just think um, back in a bigger field um, with a strong gallop would really suit her on good ground. So um, I'd say I'd be, I'd be keen to forgive her that run, and, and she'd be another price to. Um, to definitely consider and I'll just touch on one more I don't know if he's going to run or whether he could be one for entry maybe he hasn't been tested deep yet but he won at Southall and then he won really impressively at Warwick on King Maker Day the day that people I wasn't impressed by John Bond but I was impressed by this horse uh, favour and fortune for Alan King um, the late Trevor Hemmons um, he travelled really well into the straight and quickly put the race to bed under a penalty as I say um hasn't been tested at any sort of level but he's won on soft he's won on good um, and Alan King seems to have a nice team of bump horses this year and I'd say this one was pretty much towards the top of the pecking order 
Um, if he goes there, I'd be looking at him at a, at a decent price. If not, maybe maybe they'll wait, go to entry. Uh, but he's a nice horse, and he's definitely penciled into make an appearance and jump us to follow next year, that's for sure. Yeah, I like him a lot as well. And I I took him off the short list because there's um there's a bizarre statistic uh involving the champion bumper. Basically if you've if you've won a bumper worth five grand or more, um, then you're very much a contender and he didn't. Uh and race basically if you've it's basically if you've won a listed race or a graded race it's it's not even that if you if you've won a bumper actually sorry I'm wrong I'm completely wrong we can put him back in if you've won a bumper that is worth four grand or more um, I think it's the last but like in recent in recent years it tended to have favoured horses with um, listed and graded class form already in the book rather than the potential we we saw maybe going back fifteen twenty years we used to see horses winning that on the back of one run that doesn't really happen as much and again that'd be something. Um, You'd hold against it for me, he hasn't really been tested. He just had that one run, um, and it's been a while since uh, a oh, horse no, won I'm the right. champion won't put on, on the back of just one. I'm, I'm right, I'm right. We're taking back again. Yeah, you have to have, nine of the last ten winners won a bumper worth four grand or more. His bumper was two grand, um, so both of them were, were 2k. And also, he's a fair bit off on racing post ratings from uh, from the favorite, so he would have a bit to do. But I like him a lot, and I think. Don't let me don't let me put anybody off. Uh, I would give him a, a big shout of being a decent horse going forward. I think he's a very exciting one um, to look forward to. Just the champion bumper might be a season too soon for him, but entry would be very interesting. Um, on the profile, Briar Hill is the only winner in recent years to have won on the back of one run, which is amazing because that was a very strong trend for a very long time. If you'd had two runs in a bumper, forget about you. If you were going to the champion bumper on the back of one run, those horses had a had a terrific advantage. That's completely yeah, changed see, in the last decade. Yeah, it's definitely favours more experience now. Especially, I think the the introduction of the two graded race, the Dublin Racing Festival, have been key in recent years as well. So we've seen horses come from both. Um, mainly, obviously, the Geldens race, but um, relegate won the mayor's bumper, um, the fun, fun, fun one, and then obviously stepped up and won that on to Katie, Katie Walsh. I think it was. was yeah, that's it? right. Yeah. Case, Wasn't it Katie and Nina fought at the yeah. finish? Might well have been. I think they did. Check that, Kennedy. Check that real quick. No, it was Katie and Danny. Apologies. Apologies. Apologies, yeah. Danny. <laughs> and you can hear Danny Mullins on the podcast later this week. Oh, Jesus. Um, so, I, I don't like the, the price of the joint favourite. It's for me at all, at all. And interestingly, maybe Daryl Jacobs is going to ride the horse. Maybe that's how this is going to pan out. But when I asked Danny Mullins about bumper horses and who he could be riding, he, intriguingly enough, talked about Patrick riding fact to file um, and uh, was more leaning towards that. In fact, when I, when I said he can't ride fun, fun, fun because of the weight, he agreed and went, yeah, it could be fact to file he'll be on. Maybe he'll pick him. And in that Sporting Life Stable Tour, he did make a big thing about how Leopardstown is the... There is an incline, but it's more of a flat track finish. Whereas at Cheltenham, you've got the steep incline. You've got the hill to climb. And Factifile looked a stare on debut over 2 mile 4, but he looked very pacey at the Dublin Racing Festival. And I don't think that they... That JP went and paid Brian Gleeson a fortune for a dream to share because he thinks, oh, I can't win the champion bumper now, so I better buy him. I think they think an awful lot of Factifile. In fact, I know they do. 
Um, he came with a huge reputation from the point-to-point sphere, and the sire has done really well for JP in the past. And I suspect that they bought him because they know how good Factifile is and they want him going forward. The concern I'd have with him, yeah, and it, it, it is a minor concern, John Kiley's a legend, look at his handling of Carlingford Lock, absolutely superb. Dennis O'Regan is right. He was involved, he handled a Stairs Hurdle winner in the 80s, but it was his father's name. He's only trained one winner in mainland Great Britain, and that was in 2009 in the listed bumper at Aintree. And that's got to be a concern. It just can't not be. It doesn't mean the horse can't win, and it doesn't mean John Kelly's not capable of doing it. Of course not. The man is a legend. But this is the champion bumper. This is the, the race that Willie Mullins excels in. It's the race that Gordon Elliott's got a fantastic record in. That would play on my Jay mind. Jay Mangan labelled him on the Weatherby's preview as the best bumper trainer in Ireland. Yeah, but, not uh, Willie Mullins, John Kelly. And he probably is. But that's in Ireland. Now you're in Cheltenham. No, he doesn't send. He doesn't send. He doesn't send many over. To be fair, so yeah, I think he had the one two. Didn't he have one two in that entry race? Going back, back, back yeah, but it was two thousand and nine, mate. Um, it was two thousand and nine, and we're talking about a three yeah. to one shot here. We're not talking about a ten to one shot. So he can win, but I, I would be very intrigued with how Patrick has talked about Factifile and and the fact that Cheltenham is a different course. Leopardstown is a terrific track to look at in terms of form for a horse in their previous run going to Cheltenham. But Factifile could have things more his own way climbing up that hill. And and I wouldn't be at all surprised if Patrick's on board. And if Patrick's not on board, then you can be pretty certain that um, Mark Walsh will be wanting to get on board, Factifile. Uh, I don't know what the story is with young Gleason. Was part of the sale contingent on him keeping the ride? Or is it now the case that, because he's he looks a weapon, he looks a deadly jockey, but he's now JP's horse. So maybe that's not the case. Maybe JP yeah. gets to pick whoever he wants. Um, but irrespective... I don't know if it's for definite, but Jay, I think Jane was implying that he will ride him when she was talking about him last week. Yeah. And, and you would imagine that Brian Gleeson would have made that a contingency of the sale. Because yeah, he J, was, JP is quite... JP is a loyal owner, isn't he? Yeah, think, he is. Um, it, wouldn't, it wouldn't surprise me at all if he was, he'd let him keep the ride. He, he's also a very fast horse. And it's a champion bumper. You know, Champagne Fever was a fast horse, but he had a lot of stamina. Uh, stamina does come into play. I, I, I have four on the list, uh, and they're all double-figure prices. Queen's Gamble, Encanto Bruno, Better Days Ahead, Factifile. Um, and, and I don't have any interest in backing something at a single-figure price. So Queen's Gamble, I can forgive her that defeat the last day. Um, I think she's very, very good. She beat Mullenbeg, thrashed Mullenbeg. Mullenbeg was touched off by the horse that I put up, Ruband, at Kempton uh, that day. That looked that looks pretty decent form. Um, the Fergal O'Brien horse that she beat at Cheltenham has gone on to win as well. Uh, disappointing that she was beaten at Market Raising, but the way the tactics played out that day and given the weight away, I, I think that just didn't pan out in the way that Oliver and Johnny would have liked. And um, she has to be a big player. Encanto Bruno is fascinating. Cost of fortune. John McConnell has really stepped up in terms of the stock that he's acquiring uh, and the money he's paying. It used to be 90 grand he was paying for horses. He's, he's paying big three-figure sums. Big three-figure sums? He's paying big six-figure sums these days. Uh, and this fella cost a right few quid. 210, I think? 210,000? Yeah. Uh, really good in Cork. Even better at Cheltenham. And look at what he beat. He beat Strong Leader, who was quietly fancied for the Supreme. You'd know a bit about this horse. 
What, what do you make of, of strong leader? What do you make of that form? Yes, I think it is a relatively strong form. Strong leader's been good since he's gone here, and he's took a while to um, jump particularly well on debut at your Toxter, um, but then bolted up at Aintree and won under a double penalty at Subtle. Um, I think I think originally maybe um, they might have considered going straight to Aintree and skipping Cheltenham. But I think obviously, like many sets of connections, once Fasel Vega was beaten and the race looks like it's opening up, I think um, understandably they're willing to have a go and Ollie will run the two now and, um, in the Supreme with Chase and Fire. But yeah, that's strong form. You could beat Ors, who's come out and won three times over hurdles. Yeah. Um, you say you could say that perhaps he was well positioned, um, being yeah. quite prominent, but but still, um, it was a good performance. Fifth on that day as well, Gentle Slopes returned to Cheltenham the following. I know he's been a bit disappointed over hurdles since, um, but he did return to Cheltenham and no, the November meeting and won the list of bumper. Yeah. Um, so again, a bit more, a little bit more substance to the form. So yeah, I'd be, I'd, be, I'd take Encanto Bruno should run well. Yeah, I think he's got a huge chance. If there is a negative, John McConnell hasn't trained a jumps winner for thirty four days, but he's been having winners at Dundalk, so that wouldn't concern me at all. And that's the race Moonracer won. Moonracer won the showcase bumper and then was off the track and came out and won the champion bumper. And Encanto Bruno has been given the exact same preparation. I like him a lot. Mahler's had 10 winners at Cheltenham. Really keen on him. For the longest time, I thought Better Days Ahead would win the champion bumper. Um, I heard, I got a message sent to me the other day that David Casey said, Chapo, because a friend of mine who was with me at Ferry House was saying David Casey said at a preview that Chapeau de Soleil should have won that race by 10 lengths. Come off the stage. Come off the stage. Uh, that horse has zero chance at, at Cheltenham. It was a nightmare to, to turn, and it's a big, big yeah. problem that he's only had one run in a bumper. Yeah, I heard that they were going to was gonna, they were gonna run again, but they found the race for him. So he yeah. didn't look the easiest uh, conveyance for Patrick, did he? He's, he was a nightmare. He was a complete and total nightmare, and Jamie Codd loves this fella. They were going to run him against Dream Ahead at the Dublin Racing Festival, and there was a there was a tragedy for Nolan Valerie Morn. Uh, there was a death in the family, so all of their horses at the DRF were, were pulled. And how that will have affected his preparation, I don't know. Um, the intention was to put to get a run into him. How important that run would have been, and, and what that would have done to his preparation, I, I don't know. There's a slight doubt about the progeny. From the dam, she's produced a lot of horses, and one of them cost 195 grand. Went to John Joe, did nothing. None of them have done anything. Flattered to deceive was the the line that was handed to me over the weekend. Um, the family, but he looked really good. He was disappointing at Down Royal. That was a that turned into a sprint finish. It was a farce of race. Fairy House, he looked very good, and he's going to have Jamie Codd on board. Gordon Elliott's got a great great record in the race. I. Yeah, if he doesn't flatter again, if the family doesn't flatter here, if this one is actually a proper superstar and worth the 350 grand that was paid for him, then he would be very, very interesting and he's definitely on the shortlist. And I think the best of the Mullins horses is is by far Factifile. And if you like a dream to share, you kind of are obliged to have a saver on Factifile. You're getting a double-figure price and Patrick seems pretty confident that he could turn the form around. And I can envisage, I can see how he could do that. 
especially in the champion bumper. Um, so that's my four. I Of them, I would favor Encanto Bruno. On soft ground, fact to file, Encanto Bruno would be my selection right now. Um, but that's the four that I have it down to. Uh, who's your final selection for it? Um, yeah, I'd, I'd probably, I'd probably also go with Encanto Bruno. I mean, at the prices, Woo! I think he's a fair each way price. I think so. Um, yeah, I don't think he'd mind softer ground. So, although his winning form has come on good, I, I think if we do get good ground, I think a dream to share is, is the big one at the top of the market. I think he'll confirm the form personally. He'll factor file granted conditions. I'd be concerned about him on soft ground. Yes, um, but again, I'd have Queen's Gamble on it definitely on the short list. Um, if the ground was good so the ones I like would prefer better ground really so um, I'll be revisiting the race if, if the rain does arrive on the Wednesday that's for sure Alright Betdak have very kindly given us a tenor Trixie or a four euro Yankee each with the winnings going to the Irish Injured Jockeys Fund so do you want to go with three horses or do you want to go with four? Uh, I think just the ones we've mentioned today, mm-hmm. just the novice chasers, and just the ones from today. Um, do, 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 do. I will go with. I'll go with three. I'll go with um, El Fabiolo, Mighty Potter, and Allegory Davasi. Um. Do I do a Trixie or do I do the Yankee? Uh, definitely Allegor de Vassi. Definitely El Fabiolo. Encanto Bruno. And Gare de Menil. Let's do the let's do the Yankee. So Gare de Menil, Allegor de Vassi, El Fabiolo, Encanto Bruno. We're coming for you, Bet Dak. All winnings go to the Irish Injured Jockeys Fund. Really enjoyed it, Paul. Really enjoyed it, my friend. Me uh, too. Thanks for having me. Uh, it's a, a pleasure, as always. The Weatherby's Cheltenham Festival betting guide is available now. Uh, best to buy it in PDF format because you'll get it pretty much instantly. And if you use the promo code at the Weatherby shop, final 23, lowercase final 23, five pounds off your purchase. More gravy for the loyal Final Front Podcast listeners. Can't recommend it enough. It is essential reading. Not only from the trends and statistics point of view, but there's the Jess Stafford has written a brilliant breeding angles piece. Uh, there's the bankers are bust from Rory, which is really interesting reading. Graham Cunningham sets the scene and um, the editorial content that is put in by Paul is just first class. The profiles of horses, how you've broken races down. It's essential reading. So Weatherby shop, use the promo code final 23, final two, three, and five pounds off your purchase. It is available for you right now, and I could not recommend it more. And uh, join us for Fantasy Cheltenham 2023, fantasycheltenham.ie. Uh, go to register your name, your number. You get to pick five horses in the first five races for all four days. You can change your selection up to 10 minutes before the off. So if you change your mind, if, you, if you've gone for chemical energy and then the ground goes, you want to go Gerard de Manil instead, don't worry, you can do that. That's all there for you. Uh, it's all for a really good cause as well. They've raised over 950 grand uh, in the last decade. FantasyShelton.ie. Select County Kilkenny. Is that a knock on my door from the Cork neighbours? Maybe. In the apartment in Balancholic, perhaps. Um, I shouldn't have left that window open. And uh, for club, select Final Forum Podcast. 
bragging rights, the crack, and cold, hard cash up for grabs. FantasyCheltenham.ie. It's a lot of fun. Get that gravy. Uh, that is it. Thank you so much for listening. Paul is back with us on Sunday as we preview Champion Hurdle Day, day one. Ben Aiken and Paul Ferguson will be here. Ben and Lizzie Kelly for day two. Paul Jacobs and Mark Milligan for day three. Dennis O'Regan, Barry Cole for day four. We got you covered. Final answers for Cheltenham. The Danny Mullins podcast to come. And we're tackling the handicaps. Thursday night, we're recording the final front podcast, Cheltenham Handicap Special. And I'm really looking forward to recording that. Uh, from Paul and myself, thank you for listening. Remember to like and subscribe on whichever podcast app it is that you're on. The five-star rating is a huge help with the algorithm, I'm told. And Spotify keeps saying, get your listeners to do the five-star rating. So if you wouldn't mind doing that, that'd be terrific. If you've already done it, well, then steal a smartphone. Steal one from your mother, your father, your colleagues, your friends, your enemies, your fiancé, your bit on the side. Whoever, just grab a smartphone, a tablet, and do another five-star rating. It's much obliged. Uh, Be safe, be well. We'll talk to you soon. God bless. The Final Furlong Podcast is proudly brought to you by BetDAC. Get 0% commission on all sports for 100 days when you join BetDAC.com, the sports betting exchange today. New customers only. Terms and conditions apply.